Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. Hallelujah. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord. Welcome, everybody. Uh, if there's anybody visiting us, God bless you. May the Lord strengthen you. We're just so thankful for each other. We, yesterday, we had an awesome celebration of life here. Because somebody may be looking at that flower like, you know, who passed away? Well, obviously, we're honoring um, Pastor Peter Gallardo. And we had a, just a packed, packed church here. And it was just an incredible time of celebration. And I always thought, I was like, wow, this, I would want a, a, a funeral like that. And not only that, at the end of that, I just have to say it was amazing. Because Pastor Peter got to preach at his own funeral. <laughs> it was a snippet from his message, and he's like, I'm ready. When the Lord takes me, I'm ready. And it was so powerful, so profound. Uh, You seriously cannot, I'm like, this is, Lord, you've really taken care of this man. You're welcoming him, but then just everything, how it was orchestrated, it was just God's grace. And it's incredible to have people like that in our lives that we can um, have, that we can look up to. Scripture talks about them. It's good to look up to those people that, that finish their race well. It says to looking up into their finish, looking at their faith, and you can look up to them and follow that in their footsteps. So, um, but I'm pretty excited to give the word uh, today, and I really do hope that today's scripture, when I read it, it goes off like a bomb. Um, and when you read it, a certain number of you are going to know the scripture is for you. It might not be for everybody, but the scripture is for you if you're fighting a battle that is bigger than you. And you're fighting it, but you didn't ask for it. And uh, it's been some time because a lot of just the things in my life that I've personally encountered and how I battled through, it's amazing how you can just be reading one passage and just from one scripture, you can get so much out of it. You see so much revelation. And we're really gonna mainly stay in one story. It's Second Chronicles chapter 20 and just observe what God does in those moments. It's a story about Jehoshaphat. Let's open it up. I'm going to read some of the, give you the backdrop of the scripture, and then we'll just keep breaking it apart as we go into our message. Second Chronicles 20, starting verse 2. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea, and it is already in Hazanon Tamar. That is En Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. Now, we keep seeing a lot of these references about fast. Last week, uh, Pastor Robert did an amazing job talking about the fast and all those moments and all those things. The most profound moments in life of God's people happen when people just decided to designate certain things, put them aside, and seek the Lord. There's something powerful that happens. You know, he brought up Esther. He brought up other few stories. And it's this, you know, story of Jonah. S- small books. But they were so revolutionary that they changed the whole nation. You know, that's how powerful your seeking of God is. When you set aside and when you start to practice, yes, you will definitely reap the benefits and the health aspect when you begin seeking and fasting, but you will, most importantly, when you set that aside and you start seeking God, you will get much more 
benefits. You will get so much more deeper insights of the Lord. It seems like the exterior noise, the continuous stuff that we face with every day just starts sh- you know, fading away. And you, under- you start reprioritizing. And it's almost like a water goes down and everything that's important comes up. And you're like, wow, Lord, I need to address this. Wow, Lord, I need to address this. Lord, I live in sin. I see this struggle with this. Lord, I see this issue in my marriage. All these things that start to come up, and it's amazing because that's what happens. You're setting certain things aside. Now, one thing I want to point out, and me and Michael talk about this all the time, you can fast for dietary reasons. You're more motivated. You're not hungry. The moment you start designating it for the Lord, it's like this hunger comes over you like there's no tomorrow. You're like, what is it? Before I could be so busy and distracted, I'm working through it. But the moment you make it spiritual, oh, the enemy doesn't like that. So anyways, I love that the story also includes this. I mean, this is phenomenal. Like, hey, stuff is happening. And, you know, Jehoshaphat was like, what do we do? It says, the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. And we've been really talking about seeking and pursuing God this year like never before. God wants his people to prepare. And for the sake of time, let's skip to verse 13. By the way, if you're at home, read that whole chapter. And read it again. And read it again. And you're going to be just fascinated by God's power. Verse 13. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. So important to point that out. Because we have to engage our whole family in what we're doing. It's not like, oh, you're doing this for kids. I do this with everything in regards to my life because children shouldn't be left out of things. Yes, there's certain things they probably, you know, for adult years only. I understand. But when it comes to everyday day action, Lord, why, uh, Papa, why are you fasting? Why are you not eating? You know, why are you doing this? Why, what's giving? And the earlier you teach children about these very important principles in life, the more you will see progression in their life the more they mature the more they understand and the more you don't have to drag them to church because they will want to they're looking up to you they're looking at the greatest example in their life their parents now that's what happens for those families that were able to be brought up in those environments it's powerful now it's not happening for everybody I understand that but what's so amazing that God turns it around we are singing this you take what the enemy meant for evil you turn it for good all those difficult situations God can still redeem. I look at through Samson, continuous stories in the Bible, just people that were after God's heart, they even screwed up. But the moment they start seeking God, they were so much more successful and productive in all that they did. The greatest example is you to the people around you. To look for a certain special pastor or uh, mentor or youth group leader to teach your children. You are their greatest influence in life. Yeah, don't let the enemy take that away. Don't let the teachers take that position. Man, especially nowadays, you got to be alert. They're just trying to shove junk. So everything that opposes God's orders down children's throat at such an early age. So that's why that much more. If, if there's not enough motivation behind than that, I don't know what is. I mean, like, and it's amazing because even at my age, I even see, like, you know, my, Alita comes up to me. Hey, Dad, what is one kid said this word and this word? I'm like... Oh, great, let's bring it up. Our idea is not to shut us. Jesus says our idea is not to take away from the world, but right? is that we be in the world, but we not be of them. That we get to impact them. But that confidence 
of being in the world only comes from us parents. Then we don't have to be like under the uh, rock or be like helicopter parent, like continuously, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? Like, you know, it's true. Like, we can really get caught up in that worry and get caught. So again, the reason I'm taking this pause to talk about it is seeking God is very profound. And it's so many times it's pointed out. And when Pastor Robert was sharing also last week, talking about, you know, uh, the city of Nineveh. All of them. They didn't even give food to animals and stuff like that. Meaning involvement. That's how much involvement there was. And so with children, I mean, obviously if you're fasting, you're not supposed to be like, okay, I'm not giving you anything to eat. But we're talking about, you know, they say, hey, how about this week we'll take a break from iPad. Or this just next three days. Or that day when we fast and pray every, every Wednesday. Like, hey, so today we're going to instead, you know, when you come from school, we're going to do your homework. We're going to take time and read a scripture instead of be on the iPad. That is setting aside. That is seeking God. Little steps like that. Take baby steps little by little. And I believe in the near future, coming up a few weeks, I'm going to dive in a little bit more about fasting and praying so we understand the principles of it and the benefits of that. Amen? So again... All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Jechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeel, the son of Mataniah. That's important. I know I'm reading them. It might not, I don't know how they're originally pronounced, but they're going to be very important here in a moment. A Levite and a descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Oh, I love that. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up the pass of Ziz. See, God is informing you when you start seeking him. He started giving you insights what to avoid, where not to go. And you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Oh, man, I love this. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, though, right? Stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord will give you. Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. That is just so good on itself. That is powerful right there. Uh, so the title of my message is, When the Battle Chooses You, all right? When I chose my wife, Larissa, and I chose the union with her, you know, I chose her with her strengths. I chose to, but I also chose to cover her weaknesses as her husband. And likewise, she chose to cover my weaknesses as my wife. Yeah. And one thing about marriage, it is um, often better to look at an example uh, instead of listening to advice, right? Because everybody's given advice. When Jesus said, husbands, love your wives, as Christ loves church, right? He was more given an example rather than just explanation, right? He was showing it. He showed it on the cross. He paid the price for the bride. Like, you give it all, right? Because people will give you parenting or uh, marriage advice, but it's based often on ideal situations. Did you notice that? Like, people give you good ideas, right? But here's the problem while they're advising you. Uh, they may not know exact nature of the problem and the challenges you're facing, right? Uh, a strategy that may have worked for them doesn't necessarily mean it will work for you, all right? Because every relationship and every challenge and every battle is not equal. I mean, you just have to look at your own family and just look at your own children, and every kid <laughs> has got a different approach, right? right? You can read all the books you want, 
But it's like, wow, I didn't see this coming. Wow, I didn't see this coming. <laughs> I've said this before. It's like, if, if I was to write an emo, you know, if I was to write a, a, a story on, or, or I should say a, a, a book on parenting, it would be just prayer emojis. <laughs> just like, pray, <laughs> pray, pray. Seriously, it's profound. Because a lot of us, we're bluffing. We're looking at our kids. I'm like, I did the exact same thing. Lord, give me wisdom for that, right? We're putting the confidence phase. But that's my point is when we are weak, God is strong. When we invite God, when we acknowledge God in all our ways, God helps us through the situation. But you get these various advices, you know. You get some advices from people that are saying, well, if I was a parent, I wouldn't do that. I would, I would never do that. It's like, wow, you don't, you don't, you're not even married. <laughs> you're giving parenting advice. <laughs> but you hear these phrases, right? Like, never marry the one you can live with. Marry the one you cannot live without. Mm. That's good. Everybody like that? I love that one. How about never go to bed angry? Huh? Which sounds incredible. <laughs> That's golden. Which is, isn't always the best advice uh, because the best thing to, sometimes to do is get some rest and go to your corners and come out of it fresh in the morning after we had a chance to cool down, right? Otherwise, here you are saying something that you will probably regret with a sleep-deprived self at 3 a.m. I've done that. Guilty. <laughs> yeah, awesome advices, right? Never go to bed angry. Here's another one. Choose your battles. You heard that one, right? Don't fight over everything. And this is great advice and uh, very relevant to today's message. Can I get a, a bottle of water, please? Thank you so much. So choose your battles. Better to ask a question, is it really worth waging war over, right? Don't get tripped up over tiny things, little things. Dishes aren't done. Oh, this is not clean or whatever it may be. Oh, so awesome. Even open. Thank you. Thank you, Lonnie. Oh, fire the Lord. That's why I need some water. I need to cool down. <laughs> but don't get tripped over little things. Sometimes let, let your kids play music a little louder, right? <laughs> Like, things like that. But um, it is wise, although it is wise to choose the battles when you can. But what do you do when the battle chooses you? What do you do when something shows up at your doorstep and it's not Amazon Prime, right? What do you do when something that you didn't order shows up? What do you do when the devil drops off something for you to deal with? Something you didn't directly cause, choose, or anticipate it. So in verse 2 of Chronicles 20, it says, Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army is coming against you from Edom. Just when everything is going good in the southern kingdom of Judah, if you're reading those passages, I love rereading just Old, you know, Old Testament, those stories, because you see God's faithfulness through that. Here's Jehoshaphat, right? Everything is going smooth, and he gets a surprise. He doesn't have sufficient time to prepare for this. And the enemy forces are only like a few miles away, meaning like there's no time to formulate a strategy, right? And I'm thinking, have you ever got that phone call or a text message in the moment in the time that the battle is coming and it's like a day away? You didn't have time to prepare. You didn't have time to read a book on it, 
watch a TED talk, get enough sleep, enough nutrients, vitamin D to prepare for that, right? This one caught you off guard. This one hit you on the side of the head. And I'm saying this from my own life, like seriously, all of a sudden this happened. News about cancer or something or somebody that close to you passed away. Somebody got in a major car accident. This one is like, I can't even believe this is happening, right? So watch what Jehoshaphat does in the verse 3, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 3. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The best thing you can do in time of confusion is to inquire of the Lord. Amen. There's numerous times in Scripture, you look through the Old Testament, for example, like in Rebecca. Rebecca was pregnant. And she had those twins jostling inside of her. That's if you want to reference this in Genesis 25, 22. And said she went to inquire of the Lord. Or what about like the father of Samson? You know, the strong guy and everything like that. His name was Manoah. And that's in Judges 13, 8 if you're wondering. So the Lord's like, hey, we need a, somebody for pretty much in those times. God would just set up people, judges, right? And this angel looked like man just kept appearing phenomenal story too he keeps appearing to a wife and and she's like oh this guy is so awesome he keeps he's saying that i'm gonna get pregnant i love bible it's just amazing to read that and then and then said that Joshua wanted to know myself who's that man talking to my wife right but it says he went and inquire of the lord because he would always keep missing what's going on somebody says that my wife's gonna get pregnant right but it's the angel of the lord it was the father of samson and so, but it said he, came, he inquired of the Lord. Best thing to do in time of uncertainty, when things come out of nowhere, is to ask God. Right? But something about this just surprise attack, unexpected news that drives you in the presence of God. Man, I'm telling you. It happens in my own life. I've seen that happen in my siblings' lives. It's like, wow, this divorce came out of nowhere. Wow, this relationship just fell out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, you're just like, whoa. I'm like... You're reevaluating your priorities. All of a sudden, like, you're like, wow, maybe I shouldn't be friends with that person. <laughs> All of a sudden, just things, the situational things. And a lot of times we blame devil for it, but devil is getting too much credit. It's like God is pushing you into your purpose through this situation, right? God is like, I want to have some one-on-one -on -one time. God is a jealous God. He's after you and after me. And the moment your name said the Lord, you were made in God's image, that's enough for devil to always have a target on your back. Right? Jehoshaphat was alarmed but resolved. I really like this, right? Jehoshaphat had a determination to seek the Lord even in the face of unexpected attack. He made up his mind who he would go before he even knew who was coming against him. Isn't that amazing, right? But he did not always respond this way. Not many do. <laughs> not many do. This point is hard to get across to some hypocritical Christians, not all, who say that they always seek the Lord in times of trouble. I've talked about it a few weeks ago, right? It's like we always pray in tongues and the battle comes. Um, it's like I always overpower uh, and I get myself into holiness of God when I'm faced against it. You know, things like that. But two chapters ago, here, Jehoshaphat, what happened was he hooked up with Ahab. And he almost got himself killed. When he wanted to attack uh, a city because it seemed like a right strategy at that time how many times we've seen that like <laughs> i think it's a right strategy i got this i'm gonna give him peace in my mind mm -mm. 
You know, you've done that? Maybe just me. But I'm like, I'm going to tell him. <laughs> Man, I keep reminding free tips, but like, wait a minute. Write it out in your notes, not in your text messages, because you might hit send accidentally. Although, if you're an iPhone user, there's a few seconds you get you can unsend. But it will still tell him. And then you put a big question mark. So whenever you want to give a peace of mind to somebody, just give it a moment, right? Put it on the notes. You know, I've done this so many times. Man, it saved me so many times my trouble. Is so like, what? That's great. It's like, I just brought it up to the Lord and God like, oh, wait, just wait. Just watch this. Watch this. Just play itself out. But he literally just before this, a few chapters ago, I mean, he, he learned a valuable lesson, right? But that's when Jehoshaphat chose to listen to false prophets. And we can listen to wrong people. Yeah. And we can go in that battle, and the battle comes. Battle, we're just with a battle that we didn't expect, and we can totally end up in a wrong level by listening to wrong people. I mean, this is an example, 101 right there, right? False prophets of Baal. But he barely makes it out. And I'm thinking, Lord, how, we, how many times have we barely made it out of this situation, right? We fought a battle that we were not supposed to fight. One time I was driving with one pastor in Washington when I was in college to a wedding. And uh, we're driving on I-5. And we, uh, I was driving, and I, we passed a couple fighting on the side of the road, like physically. And, uh, but what was surprising, like I passed, but I pulled over. <laughs> but what was surprising is that um, the woman had a man in a headlock. <laughs> yeah, true story. Um, I was going to try to go out and help, right? But when I saw that a woman had the upper hand, you know, it seemed like she had things under control. I figured the best thing to do is praise God for his sovereignty and just keep on driving, right? But then this pastor just turns to the side and to me and says, why, what were you thinking? Like, why did you, what were you trying to do? And, you know, he was like, never get in the fight between a man and his woman. Because if you get in the middle of it, they will turn around and both start fighting you. <laughs> And not just happened to a man and a woman. Sometimes it's like between two dudes. You get in and you get smacked. <laughs> How many times have you seen that? The revs get in between. There's a fight happening. There's too much fireworks. Bam! The referee gets knocked out. Don't take on a fight that's not yours to fight. I remember just hearing that from a pastor. We were driving to a wedding. It was a perfect example. I was like, wow. Lord, you really set this up. And I'm like, one day I'm going to use that in my message. Finally. <laughs> 20 years later. <laughs> The surest way to get yourself in trouble is to take on the battle that's not yours to fight, right? And I love that because I was just, when I was talking to Pastor Mark and he brought up a scripture. And I, for some reason, you know, you can read scripture many times and just miss this. And he brought up an amazing proverb. And I want it. It's just so timely. Proverbs 26, 17. It says, whoever meddles in a quarrel not his own is like the one who takes a passing dog by ears. <laughs> I've never tried doing that. Uh, you know, pulling a dog by the ears. I'm assuming they wouldn't like it. Vic's version would be, try to blow in the dog's face. <laughs> kind of same thing. I don't know why. They love stinging out their head against the wind, but man, the moment you blow in the dog's face, they don't like it. But don't get into things that are not yours, right? This is why Christians should not comment on under every social media post. Like, you know, sometimes you got to choose to battle. Like, huh. Not this one, Lord, right? So what, 
this is what Jehoshaphat wanted to know is, is this my battle to fight? Because he just miserably failed a few chapters ago. And right now he's steadfast. And I love that he's learning quick. And it's better, it's, it's awesome when we learn from our mistakes as well, right? When we're just like, yep, shouldn't have gotten myself into it. So we must be careful not to expend our energy to fight battles that are not ours to fight, right? Because then you don't have energy to fight the battles that are needed, that are yours. Because what happens, we wear ourselves out swinging at stuff that's not even ours, right? And now we're so tired, we don't have time to engage the people that we're surrounded by in our own homes. We take it all out there, we swing it out in our workplaces, and then we come home, and we're worn out, we're angry. Does that sound familiar to some of us sometimes? Yeah? I'm not trying to run somebody's house, like... I'm trying to run my house, <laughs> right? That's a quotable thing. It's as if I don't have enough of my own drama in my own life, right? So I try to control other people. That's what happens technically, right? This is good tell when you're trying to control others, you're fighting the wrong battle. But the reality is that you can't control others, right? You can only control short-term behaviors, but you can't change somebody's heart. It has to start with them, their own willingness to change. Jesus never shoved anything down anybody's throat. He didn't come over slapping somebody with a Bible over them like, you know. This is the people that want it freely. He's standing out the door. You want it? Well, come on in. Sounds like a Jersey accent right there. But like, you want to you fellowship? You want to have a meal? Come on in. Right? But that's what the Lord does, really, is he freely standing out the door. All right? I love this. In the New Testament, Romans 12, 18, it says, If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Say everyone. But there's the key one, if it is possible. So the key points here is the peace of another person is not your responsibility. Come on, church. We need to understand that. The peace of another person is not your responsibility. Your peace is your responsibility. Secure your own oxygen mask before assisting others, right? You have that peace. Let that peace transcend all understanding. Let it impact and flow out of you, right? But you can't force somebody like, you need the peace, right? You can offer it. There just comes to the point in our life that we need to say, that's not my battle. I've done all I could. I like to say, I do my best, God does the rest, right? So here's a great line to use next time somebody tries to draw you into a gossip or uh, into someone else's drama. When confronted with the question, uh, what do you think about so-and-so? Like, you guys ever had that? Have you heard about Matt? Have you heard about Michael? (laughs) What do you think about this other church? I get that often, right? What do you think about this ministry? And you know, the older I get, the more I learn. Because I used to give my points, and I've learned that's a bad idea, right? But the best answer when somebody tries to engage you into a gospel or a fight, say, what do you think about so-and-so? And say, I don't. I just don't. This will work (laughs) for a variety of situations. You're very welcome one day you will use it. So somebody next time comes up, tries to engage you, you know, like, hey, come on. <laughs> I got a plenty of drama of my own, right? B-Y-O-D. Bring your own drama. 
Because our minds are full of just drama factories. Yeah? We don't need to borrow somebody else's drama, church. Someone else's life already has drama of their own. You don't need to bring that into your family from other family, right? Can I get an amen? Amen. Come on. Jehoshaphat didn't run looking around what other people were saying. Like, what do you think? Should we? He said he went to inquire of the Lord. The best thing you hear about some other things, somebody's trying to engage you. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to pray for them. Have you heard about their marriage? All of a sudden you get this research. Oh, the pictures disappeared of them together. You can get caught up into this. Like, like, it's my Snuggie. It's my Doritos. It's my, like, I just love it's not, when it's not happening in your family, right? We can get caught in that moment. Be aware of that. It can happen to you. But the best thing you can do is say, I'm a man of God. I'm a woman of faith. I'm going to start praying for them. I'm going to check in with them and say, well, how I can help you. Church, this year, you know, we were going to face a lot of pressure. But we need to have confidence under that pressure. And that confidence only comes from God. The true confidence gives you authority to see through the situation. Somebody tries to engage with you. I'm like, you want to do this? I'm like, no thanks. But I'm going to be praying for you. I'm not even going to take a rain check. Maybe it's just for a few of you. You know, that's all right. Praise God. <laughs> so Jehoshaphat is not running around looking for, you know, what other people are saying. He went to inquire of the Lord. And not an artificial prayer. You know, not some just cheap feeling than calling it God. And the reason is not just, you know, because people are pretty good at slapping a scripture on something. you right. Uh, that's something they already wanted to do anyway. The Lord is like, well, you want to do anyways. And, you, and say, yeah, that's, I think the Lord wants me to do this. They already made up their mind they're going to do it. They just wanted a reason so that if things don't work out, they'll blame God. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. What Jehoshaphat is doing is seeking the Lord in an authentic way. He's praying and fasting and tells his people to do the same. Pretty much, I would say it. The impression I'm getting, Jehoshaphat, he was pretty shaken up, right? He was shocked, but he wasn't shook. He could have probably fought one of the attacking nations, but there are like three of them sneaking up. Three vast armies are going up against Jehoshaphat. They're like 25 miles away, according to historic proportions, when he finds out. What are you doing, right? Three enemies. You know, it's kind of interesting. Speaking of three enemies, we have three different enemies. First John 2.16, it says, For everything in the world is lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. These are your enemies. Pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. And I've shared about this. The flesh is the, the cravings of our body, right? The eyes is which helps our flesh. And then the pride, which opposes the purpose of God, right? And the, this trifecta is happening. We can probably fight one on a good day. But how do you fight pride while you're still also fighting flesh? How do I fight the world when there's part of me that wants to do things that are of this world? I'm just being really transparent, y'all, right? How do I raise kids without when all their information is in their pocket, on their cell phone? How do you have a sex talk with your kids, right? When they can look that up right next to the Bible app. Think about those things. And I really hope that we're alarmed today, but we're resolved. Like Jehoshaphat, we know what to do, right? The nature of battle determines the nature of strategy, okay? That's why here at the church, we teach biblical principles. I do believe that work. I most of the time, praise God, try to teach 
what I've actually practiced. 98.8% of the time, I feel like that's the only time I can give something, something that I live through. And you can hear that from, you know, Pastor Mark. You hear that from Pastor Robert. You hear those situations. You hear those stories, right? And not long ago, I talked about how do you deal with them? Like basic strategies. Prayer for pride. Pretty easy to remember, right? <laughs> Fasting for flesh, right? Giving for greed. If you don't understand the nature of the battle, you will not understand the degree of this strategy. And you will lose the battle because you're wrestling it at a wrong level, right? This is why you need to have the right strategies. In the beginning there, I gave this vision Sunday, and I've given these pointers, like the four points, how to deal with confidence under pressure because we will face pressure. Promise, place, people, power, right? Having promise of God will drive you to the right place. And in the right place is where you're reminded of your promise. Then being surrounded by the right people is very important. But ultimately, you can't put your power in people. you got to put find that power which only can come through the Holy Spirit. Amen? So this time, Jehoshaphat has surrounded himself with, us, with the right people. He's doing the right thing this time. We just learned that, right? A few chapters ago, he was like, okay, I get it. And this time, he's not going to Ahab, right? He learned it pretty quickly. He's not looking for Ahab's celebrity status because he was at this point, right? Uh, he's not looking for him to influence his decision. He's going to the right place. However, he doesn't have a plan. <laughs> I love that because that's where oftentimes God wants us to be. Is the moment we finally ran out of our, all our options for how to figure out. Because you know how we have a plan. If I could do this and that and that and we have our own diagrams, right? But when our plans finally failed and God was like, let's go time. Yeah. Come on, son. Come on, daughter. Come talk with me, right? This is why we are seeking God. This is why we run to secret place, amen? And I got to read this to you because look at Jehoshaphat's prayer. This week, every day, read Jehoshaphat's prayer, okay? You're going to be blessed. I want to read this. 2 Chronicles 20 from 5 to 15. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms and nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built it in a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine or COVID-13, whatever, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. But now, here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So this is important note. I'm going to talk about it in a second. The Lord had saved this battle for a certain moment. So they turned away from them, and they did not destroy them. Verse 11, see how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. Here's, here's coming to the reality. This is where God wants us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. 
all the men of Judah with their wives and children and the little ones stood there before the Lord. I'm obviously overlapping some scriptures that I've read. So here we are, when you're at the right place of pressure, and that's massive pressure. He's surrounded by the right people, the ones that are close to them. And you hold on to the promise because God said, you, this is your inheritance, right? And here comes the power. <laughs> and I love this because that was where, from my previous message, the Lord really showed me this passage. And it's like, it's these four principles that follow everything. A lot of times, these God's people, having been in the right place, being surrounded by right people, holding on to the promise of God. And here comes the power. Verse 14, then the spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Babenia, the son of Jeel, the son of Mataniah, the Levite, and the descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for this battle is not yours but God's. So Jehoshaphat shifted his focus from those that are coming against him to the one who reigns above him. I love that, right? You can look this way or you can look up this way. Remind God of what he has done when you're not sure what he's doing. <laughs> Sounds a little selfish, right? Not so that God can remember, but so you can remember. And just notice that as he's praying, didn't you do this? Didn't you do this? Oh, yeah. But our trust is in you. So it's good to express, pour out your heart before the Lord and remind God. And yes, Lord, when didn't you do this? But as you're listing off of everything that God has done, you realize that God was there all along. Come on. Amazing. This is not, because like, in all the sense, like, this is not your first rodeo, <laughs> the Lord, right? It's not your first struggle. This is not your first diagnosis. Ooh. When Jehoshaphat prays, he's both praising God, it seems like, and he's blaming God, right? But he shifts his tone in the verse 10. He's like, this battle, we're doing the best we can. This battle, we're acting according to the wisdom. This battle, we could not have prevented from coming. This battle, we did not choose, right? An interesting fact, this coalition, because I read earlier, I said, guys, this is important. The coalition of forces against Jehoshaphat, and when I looked up through Google, Bible scholars, um, are the same people that Moses was instructed not to drive out earlier, right? The same coalition was part of the offspring of Esau. And that's, if you want to reference those, it's Deuteronomy 2.19 and 23.7, okay? And Esau was the son of Isaac, and Isaac was the son of Abraham, right? And Abraham was God's friend. <laughs> I love that because God's so faithful and he pays attention to generation after generation. His promises are yes and amen, right? When you have a friend that knows how to fight, it will make you confident. Amen? Yeah. I was pretty scrawny when I was in fourth grade. Kind of wish I could go back to certain days where metabolism was so fast. But there was this kid named Bobby Pye, and um, he was bullying me. You know, I came, I'm fresh to America. I'm fresh off the boat, get kid, you know. Um, still English sucked, not, not that great. But then I made friends at that time with Gunnar Schneider. You'll never forget these names. <laughs> Gunnar Schneider was tough. It was a very strategic move for those days. I mean, out of fourth grade, <laughs> I'm going to make friends with somebody that's strong. <laughs> And ever since Bobby Pye found out about my friendship with Gunnar Schneider, he never bullied me no more. Bobby Pye was no longer a threat. Right. This is to say that some battles might be bigger than us, 
but they are not bigger than God. If you can walk away without revelation today, you're going to be very blessed. You got more than a Gunnar Schneider in God. You got God, the creator of the universe, who sees you, knows you, who knows how much you can handle, who knows when to step in. But if you put your trust in him, right? Not when you're trying to figure it out on your own. What do you do when you have to fight a battle that is not your fault? Ask yourself that question next time you're like, damn, what is going on? This came out of nowhere. Hashafat is transcending all of this in his prayer. Look at 11, uh, 2011. See how they're repaying us by coming to drive us out, out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. I wanted to point that out. I think God gave me this word. And this is it. If God gave it, then it's God's to protect it. God's standing by his word, <laughs> right? His words don't return void without accomplishing its purpose, amen? And it's not about how much power you have. It's about the possession of the promise, right? And if you're God's possession, you're his treasure. If you're his, then you're, you're his son and daughter. That means you're his friend, and you have a friend that knows how to fight, <laughs> Romans 12, 19, I love says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Next time you're angry, put this scripture in your office or wherever the most conflicts happen, <laughs> situations that are unfair, and just read it to yourself. Romans 12, 19. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. Leave room for God's wrath. I love that. It says that God will take care of that. Don't worry about it, right? For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. When it's God's possession, it's God's problem. So when you know that, it's like, Lord, I, you've given me promise. The environment where I'm at, where I'm in, I put my trust in you. This is not my battle. But, Lord, you stand behind your promises. Amen? Let's get back to the main story. So verse 12, 2012 Chronicles, Second Chronicles. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. So that's perfect. He's, he's literally taking that passage that we just read. He's like, Lord, you're going to take care of this, right? We do not know what to do. Now watch this. But our eyes are on you. Amen? God says, if you change your focus, you will know when to fight. There's times where God will tell you to step in and do this, <laughs> intercede in this fight, you know, or go in and intercede, but not in that level, not on the physical level. Amen? Stop looking how big it is and start praising God for how great he is. Amen? Help is on the way. Let's go to the verse 13 and 14 of 20. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came unto Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, the Levite, and the sons of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. This is an important verse because every name mentioned here represents a generation where God was faithful. Yeah. It's a reminder. It's so profound, right? God is so purpose, uh, purpose is so powerful. It moves through generations as long as people don't abandon their position in God. It's not about the physical power. It's about your possession uh, in God, knowing the possession that you have. But you have to be in your position, amen, to understand that you have to know where God is on your throne. If I'm trying to figure out this battle on my own, I'm going to fail. 
But I'm so thankful for the prophets who showed up and told Jehoshaphat, right? Because if they fought the invading army, they would have lost, right? So I'm thinking like, Lord, what, what, what did Jehoshaphat have to do at this point? This is, this is crazy. Then the Lord is like, yeah, I got you. Sends his prophets. When you don't understand the nature of the battle that you're in, we use the wrong strategy. We, that's when we try to figure it out on our own. And some of us are losing because we're fighting it at a wrong level. We're trying to fight it on our logical sense where God is like, you need to set your thoughts, lay down in all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path in all of your ways. That's with your nasty friend Tracy at work. Maybe she's not your friend. I, whatever it is, cannot work. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. Bring up that name. Lord, I bless Tracy. I don't like her right now, Lord, but Lord, bless her. Whoever, I'm sorry if there's a Tracy in the place. I don't, there's nothing about Tracy or Ken. It's the first names that show up. <laughs> Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against the flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness. This is where our battle is, in the heavenly places. And you know, Scripture also tells us that we're seated in the heavenly places. That means this is where the fight actually happens and the Lord is like you're fighting it at such a small level that bring come up with me fight with the big level fight with the big boys fight with the army of God come on that's how much God trusts us and loves us we actually get to do things that angels don't even get to do God is like you don't understand I made you in the image you're more than conquering Christ come up to my level amen you are seated in the heavenly places but this is what we often do we fight flesh and blood we fight people that are trying to help us. We fight the wrong battles to protect our pride. It really is. Because I'm like, I'm going to prove everybody wrong, right? The older I get, the more I keep my mouth shut. <laughs> it's a free, free bonus for everybody want to take that away. Save the energy for the real battle, okay? When I hear a comment about me, I start saying, not this one, not this one, Vic. I talk to myself like David does, you know. <laughs> I need to save my energy for the real important ones, are y'all, right? James 1, 19, 20 says, uh, chapter 1, 19 and 20, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Remember earlier I said, put the notes, put your, all your angry notes and memories, everything in your notes before you putting in the text? Because this, why? Verse 20, because human anger does not produce the righteousness of God right. that God desires, <laughs> right? There's this awesome movie, 42. It's about Jackie Robinson. And this owner asked Jackie Robinson, you know, the courage and guts not to fight back when he's verbally attacked. He was this first black man who was in Major League Baseball. I love that movie. And I love that aspect. He says, like, you gotta, you gotta look at the, the main picture. It's a phenomenal movie. Sometimes it takes courage not to fight back. Sometimes it takes more faith to let God sort it out, right? Because if we manipulate the situation in our own strength, we often mess it up. I've done it many times. And what happens is we pull out tares and we also pull out wheat. <laughs> Perhaps the Lord already did some good work in there. He's working the situation for your good and you're like, ah! Did it. Felt good. Oh, I gave it to them straight. Whew. Ten minutes later, he's just like, oh, man. Ugh. This, maybe it's just me, but I've done that. Right. I, 
I reacted often rather than responding. There's a very big difference. You can respond, not react. You have to understand the nature of the battle to understand the strategy. Amen? As married couples, we have to line up on the same side and fight the root of the battle, not each other. Right? When, you, when we become afraid, one reaction is to become angry. And anger is technically a camouflage for fear. Why? Because... If we are weak inside and get angry, it makes us look like we're confident and strong. Maybe I'm just preaching to wrong choir, but like I'm just talking out of my own experience, right? A better solution is to fight fear with faith and fix your focus on God. That's a lot of F's right there. Fear, fight the fear with faith, fix your focus on God. Amen? Because if we wrestle it at a wrong level, we will wear ourselves out. And I know I said this a couple of times, but I really want us to be engraved. Like, don't fight the battles that you don't need to fight. Amen? You know, there's some people that are struggling with addictions. And you know, you can't counsel often, you can't counsel them to win the addiction by willpower. It's not a matter of willpower. It's a matter of worship. Okay? What has taken a place of worship in that person's life, right? Something in their life started to meeting their needs that only God can meet right? God can meet the needs that drugs and alcohol can. God can meet those needs that pornography can. It's that the enemy is just trying to put replacements, right? God can meet those needs that overspending, overeating can, right? But it's a matter of focusing, fixing the aspect of worship problem. Then you can, you know, before, it's not about the willpower, it's about worship. Because technically what happens is we worship those things. They become part of our DNA. And now it's my dependency, you know. And it doesn't matter. I can train myself so many times and do this. And I might be able to, and I tried this on my own. I've done it sometimes. And I went three months. And I was like, yeah, Lord, I didn't look at that for that many months. And the moment you get confident, you fail. The Lord says, because in your own strength, you will not be able to. You're not able to fight the battles that are bigger than you, okay? But you can do it with God, amen? You have to fight with the focus. And the prophet in verse 20 said, this is not even about you. Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. The moment you give that battle back to God, the moment you realize like, hey, wait a minute, I can get God involved in this. I can actually say, Lord, I am weak. I am going to fall for this. The moment you just give that surrender moment to God and invite the Lord into that situation, you'll be amazed how many times God will come through when you're like, part of you wants to do it, but the moment you say, God, uh, it's just like, help my unbelief, right? <laughs> right? I believe, help my unbelief, right? This thing is bigger than you. Don't try to meet the righteous requirements under your own strength. I want to point that out, okay? Say, I got this. Don't say that. <laughs> we, we fail when I, we throw a lot of eyes in there, right? Uh, me, me. But let the power of the Holy Spirit to flow through you and direct you, amen? Otherwise, we're going to keep losing the battles, wrestling at a different level. Remind yourself, your, your battle is not against flesh and blood, right? We just read, it's spiritual. The battle is not yours, it's God's. If it's too big, it doesn't belong to you. This is where you learn to lean on God and not on your own strength, amen? amen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him. He will direct your path, right? 
The battle is the Lord's, but often we still stress like it's ours. <laughs> we still worry like it's ours. I've done that, right? We waste our energy on worrying where we needed to spend that time in worship. So turn your worry into worship and become warrior of worship. Amen? Not a warrior of worship. <laughs> Not a warrior, but a worshiper. Amen? Don't quit doing God's job for him, right? So how do you give it back? How do you surrender back to God? You're like, I don't get it. Like, show me. With your focus, it's looking beyond what is coming against you and looking who's within you and to know that greater is he that is in you than he who is in this world, right? But you have to get into a position. It specifically talks about you still have to get in position. He didn't tell him like, oh, you guys, don't worry about it. Kick back. You guys can sleep. No, <laughs> that's not what it says, right? You got to get into your position, not so, that, so you can fight, but so that you can see the deliverance that the Lord will bring you when you begin to worship, right? God is fighting for worshipers. He's fighting for Judah. If he's fighting for his people, he is fighting for you and me. Amen? You get his help. You get his strength. You get his mercy. You get his provision. So what do you do when the battle chooses you? You worship your way through it. That's exactly what it says here, right? It sounds good, but it's a little bit ridiculous from a human perspective. But we're living in an upside-down kingdom, right? <laughs> it's true. Because here comes the coalition of enemies, right? They're like 25 miles away. Jehoshaphat, what are you doing? And in 17, it says, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm to see deliverance the Lord will give you in Judah, Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Go out and face them tomorrow and let the Lord will be with you, right? You will experience his victory, not by fighting, but by focusing on God. Amen? You know, it's amazing because Second Chronicles 20, 17 shows what Second Corinthians 10, 3 is talking about. And in Second Corinthians 10, 3 says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does, right? This is our battle is different. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This is where the battle is won or lost in your thoughts. The moment you're like, oh, I can let this develop. I can let this develop and turn me into complete anxiety mode. Or I can say at the moment, even if I don't feel like saying, but God, no, I put my trust in you, right? So where's our focus in that time? The reality that's around us, all this battle you didn't ask for shows up at your door, right? Or are we focusing on the power of God? God's people did not have to fight this one, but they did have to face it. Notice that, right? God wants to give you the faith to face the situations in your life. God wants to give you the faith to trust him. Do you have the faith? Not to fight in your own flesh is the question for today, <laughs> right? Jesus told Peter, put your sword away, Peter. He was ready to battle. And Jesus is like, not this one, Peter. Sometimes it takes more faith not to fight and go to the cross, right? Sometimes it takes more faith to get over your pride, to get over yourself and let God fight your battles, Right? Singing is a strange strategy, right, <laughs> to fight off three armies that are attacking you at once. But I think this is where God has fun. He's like, what? This is not the first time it happened, remember? God loves to do that. 
Remember when they were circling around Jericho? I bet they were looking at them. Well, what a bunch of buffoons singing. Yeah, all right, this is nice. I bet I can totally see them having a good time and like, yeah, jamming out to their tunes, right? But then pff, God just crushes those walls. This is not the first time God is using worship, you know, when people are like, do this. So our part is obedience. At that time, I don't feel like it. They might have been a single brick falling, but trust my word. Trust my promise, right? Amen. The cool things of God. Pastor Robert one time preached on it. I was missing. I was when I was on vacation, but I love that title, the cool things of God. All the cool ways things God moves, Amen. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 1.27, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Come on, this is where God operates in our weakness, right? It's when we're strong, when things don't make sense. It's like, what? You want me to do this, God? Yeah. You want a better marriage? Fast. Pray. Start praying for your wife. Start praying for your husband. You want a better relationship with your children? Start praying and fasting. Start praying for them. You don't know how to figure out? Do it in your own strength or seek me. Amen. So in the verse, Joshua 20, 18 and 19, we're wrapping up here shortly, but please stay focused. Then Joshua bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of Kohathites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. <laughs> and I always thought this scripture only meant you know, when you're in trouble, start singing, like, I can do anything. You know how we see those in movies and people are nervous. I trust in God. As long as you're worshiping God, it's okay. Maybe we'll start out with a little bit of a, you know, worry thing. But continue praising God, right? But however, not everybody can sing, right? Some don't even like music. That's true, right? Some people show up to just say, honestly, the drum's too loud for me. And I say, okay, I'm going to drum even better next time. I'll leave that for interpretation for them. The question mark, what is Vic going to do next Sunday? <laughs> but this passage is not about music. It's about focus, right? We talked about focus on what's right about God rather than what's wrong with your life. You're focusing on the glory and majesty of God. The moment we shift our situation from our thing to him, it's amazing what happens, right? Today the Lord is saying, look past your enemy. And praise God in the splendor of his holiness. Like, look past the bigger thing that is in front of you. And look to God who is much bigger than it. He's bigger over that situation in life. Amen? Today, are we willing to use gratitude as a strategy? <laughs> Worship and praise, right? And magnify God and bring our focus on the how powerful God is, right? In the middle of a battle. You know, and as we read, what happens is these three attacking nations... They start eliminating each other. <laughs> How cool is that, right? They're all like, Durr! they were coming against Israel. I'm telling you, read that. When you get home uh, from, 20, from, 20, from 20 to 29 is what happens. If you guys want, I'll read it to you real quick. It's pretty profound. Okay, we got a few yeses. Yes, final call. Yes. All right. And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. And we, 
and when he had taken counsel with people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in the holy attire. As they went before the army and say, give thanks to the Lord. And when they began to sing the praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. So there's the three vast armies who had come against Judah so that they were routed. Verse 23, for the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end of inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. <laughs> then they helped <laughs> to destroy one another. Just, it's got to be an amazing movie. I, somebody, I hope, makes the movie about this war because I want to watch it. When Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked toward the horde, um, and behold, there were dead bodies laying on the ground. None had escaped. I mean, when God fights for battle, He'll take care of everything, right? None has escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found among them in great numbers goods, clothing, and precious things, which they took for themselves until they could carry no more. <laughs> this is when God pours into you, he overflows. There were three days in taking the spoil. They had to designate three days just to collect the goodies. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of that place has been called Valley of Barakah to this day. Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat at, at their head, returning to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. They came to Jerusalem with harps and lyres and trumpets <laughs> to the house of the Lord. This is my favorite words. And the fear of God came on all kingdoms of countries. When they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Amen. See, you, we, can, we can fight it on our own level. Or we can really bring it up to the Lord. Yeah, I know you may think, oh, we're, I'm not dealing with three armies. But you're dealing with your enemies. You're dealing with those things that I've mentioned, right? But God is, wants, to, he wants us to be in that humility state because God gives grace to the humble, right? The moment we humble ourselves when we seek our God, that part of aspect of prayer and fasting is humbling ourselves, right? And God is going to fight what you can see by sending you what you can't see, right? And rather than looking at the enemy, you lift up your eyes up to the Lord. And Psalmist said, right? Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. My focus is on God and his greatness. And so next time battle shows up unexpected at your front door, or unexpected or on a Thursday night, be prepared because you're his warrior and you have the strategies. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's stand true for a prayer. Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.